RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Oh, hey, hey. Sorry, sorry. That was a little too energetic and enthusiastic for this ultimately disgustingly weird world that we're living in at this point. So good morning, everybody, and welcome to the newly sanitized Duffified Live. Uh, I went through an entire can of Lysol on my computer and my microphone prior to recording this, so everybody knows that we're safe. I'm wearing gloves and a mask, plus I have a uh, latex suit on that I found at, I don't know, some store. Uh, Not really. I'm just sitting in my chair in my office in a pair of sweatpants, just like everybody else is. I did, however, sanitize my office because it can get a little messy at times, but... uh, We are ready to rock and roll for today, and we've got a pretty good episode coming up today that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but uh, I want to kind of fill you guys in on what's been going on over the last two to three weeks and where we are. We are all sheltered in place, as we all know, Uh, unlike anything that any of us have ever seen before, is this world that we are living in of uncertainty, of confusion, of lack of true direction. Um, I'm not going into politics at all because really I don't give a shit about politics. We need to keep the politics out of the sickness. Um, I've been reading a lot, a tremendous amount of articles, really more about what to expect during this time of pandemic and what, what the outcome is ultimately going to be. Um, I did do a little bit of research of kind of how we got to this point, and I I was sent a really good article um, that kind of laid out some of the timelines of what happened leading up to this, where, you know, we had opportunities to take a look at some stuff. We had opportunities to possibly have some vaccinations put in place. We had opportunities um, to uh, increase the... Uh, the the manufacturing of the PPEs, the gloves and the masks and the face shields. And that was not taken advantage of because of a political conversation. Um, whereas uh, there's an act that is put into place during wartime where uh, people can basically, they're, they're, they're told, you know, back in World War II, you know, we were using rubber and metal. They were making bullets and they were making tires and, you know, all of that stuff. And now we need something similar to that in the mask, the glove and the PPE uh, gowns and everything that everybody needs to be wearing. Well, it was actually stopped um, in the in Congress. I think Congress stopped it because it wasn't as beneficial to large business. So it's just a pure and straightforward way of saying that our politics, our politicians are fully in the pocket of the government or our government is in the pocket of the businessmen. That's just the way that it works. It's 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 the nature of it. 
You know, it's the nature of, 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 of big business and what happens. So, you know, I have a friend of mine, Tara Saunders down, down there in, in Dallas who owns a uniform company who has completely turned over her entire company to start making masks and, uh, and the other stuff to keep herself afloat. You know, she had to lay off her staff because her uniform company, they're not needing uniforms right now because there's no goddamn restaurants. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. So she is making masks and doing the other stuff. But some of the stuff that that really kind of shocked me was the end result of all of this, where we're looking at the potential. I know I'm tired. I apologize. I tried to have a lazy day last night, but I didn't go to sleep until late. Uh, we're looking at the potential for 2.2 million people dying because of this disease, because of this. You know, we have to be careful. The whole idea is to stay at home. And at the same time, look, there are people, you know, like uh, my restaurant is dependent on the delivery and the pickup. Okay. But what we're doing within the restaurant is we're making things as clean as possible. You know, we're very, very aware of everything that we're doing. I want to say almost hyper aware of what's going on. Whereas before, yes, we were very concerned about the sanitation level and the way that we did stuff, sanitate, you know, sanitizing buckets and gloves and all that stuff. But now it's a matter of protocol where every time somebody walks in the front door, we sanitize the door. Every time somebody uses the bathroom, we sanitize the bathroom. Every single time that somebody touches the POS screen, we clean and sanitize the screen. So there's a constant momentum that's going on with that, which are becoming the regular practices of business. Now, what's going to happen in the next couple of months? We have a lot of stuff to talk about. What's going to happen on uh, the government level of what they, where we are? They just laid down the other day that we are sheltered in place for the next 30 days again. Now we're in this until the end of April, okay? Um, and we have a lot to do with that. There's a lot that's going to happen during that time frame. One, income is at a halt for a lot of hospitality workers. People are not getting that income. They're receiving, I talked to somebody the other day who was getting a check on a weekly basis for $227. $227 for a server. You know, I used to say to people all the time, you know, make sure that you're declaring what it is that you're making. Make sure that you're putting your tips, you know, in. If you're getting a paycheck, then you're not claiming enough. Your paycheck should be zero when you get them. That's based on the rules that we have right now. Okay. But we need to we need to readdress this whole situation. I think that coming out of this, that there's gonna be some pretty loud voices that are really going to start talking to the government and talking to restaurants and restaurant owners almost in like a unionization way. You know, imagine if restaurants started to unionize what was happening within there with set wages and breaks and, and vacation and benefits and all of that stuff. That's going to be a really tough thing for these restaurants to handle. You know, we saw it happen in Philadelphia a bunch of years ago with a restaurant called Bookbinders. They were a union house, man. They shut down. Look, their dishwashers were making 20 bucks an hour or something like that. Like I had a friend who was the GM down there when they closed and he said that they're their labor dollars were just disgusting. 
was astronomical what they were paying in labor because it was a union house and these guys were getting paid so much money going on with that stuff. So, uh, you know, and, and we have, we have little margins, man. We have small profit margins in the restaurants. So we've got to be careful of that, but we also have to start to standardize the employees and what it is that they're receiving because this can never happen again. We can't allow this to happen again. We're eight. What is it? Seven to 10. I can't remember what our numbers are at this point. Right, it was 7 million last week. I think we're at 10 million um, unemployed hospitality workers at this point right now. You know, I, I saw a horrible picture of a dishwasher living in a tent behind the restaurant where he used to work because he got, he doesn't have a place to live anymore. Like this is bad, man. This is really bad. So one of the things that we're going to not one, the only thing we're really going to talk about this week on the show is we're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about a couple different options of some stuff that's available out there through banks and through the government that can help the restaurants at this point. I have a very good friend of mine and his name is Sean McGovern. And Sean is somebody who I've looked up to for a long time. He has an unbelievable financial brain. I love to hear him talk and watch him process numbers and the laws and the business and what happens to all of it. So <clears throat> Sean's going to hop on the show with us in just a couple minutes, and we're going to talk about some of the options that are available, some of the SBA loans, some of the express loans, the CARES loan that's going on or the CARES stuff that's going on with the government. There are a lot of options for restaurants right now, but some of the other stuff is really just the basics of, of getting down and having a conversation with your landlord. Don't put it off any longer. My conversation is happening with my landlord today. We started to talk about two weeks ago when all of this happened, and now we're at a point where we're finally coming to a point. I'm in the middle of a, of a, a lease renegotiation. Um, you know, we have a lot of stuff that's going on right now, and and Sean is going to be very helpful um, in that area. So. If you guys will do me a favor, I want you to get ready, sit down, grab a pen, grab some paper uh, for any of the stuff that you want to jot some notes down for. Um, and then I will also have the links that Sean talks about. We will put these on the Duffified Live website as well as on our Duffified Live Facebook page. So that's what I got for you guys this morning. Pretty serious conversation happening today with me and my buddy, Sean McGovern. Welcome to Duffified Live. Good morning, Mr. McGovern. Good morning, Mr. Duffy. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. So the funny part is Sean McGovern uh, lives about a mile and a quarter away from me. And I haven't seen you in what, nine months? Yeah, I'm the victim of uh, three kids under the five years old. <laughs> That's great. Two boys and a girl. How are the how are the kids doing? Everybody good? Are they bored as shit yet? Oh, I mean, between them beating the crap out of each other and uh, you know not killing their one year old uh, sister, um, it, it's it's pretty hilarious actually. And we got another month to go of this, so I don't know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> yeah, really. Jeez, is Cammy going crazy? A little bit, you know, a little bit. I mean, for another month, I mean, we're only two weeks in to do another month. I, I don't know. You know, it's just, this is definitely going to be a challenge. You know, we're hearing like uh, statistics of obviously people that are getting sick, people that are dying. 
we're getting statistics of saying that there's going to be uh, a much larger domestic dispute rate. Like I talked to a cop the other day and he was telling me that he's like, we're just waiting at this point. He's like, we're very selective about what it is that we're what, what we're getting into. You know, there was apparently a couple that walked into Rite Aid on, I want to say Friday afternoon in Ardmore with, with shopping bags. And they just walked around the store filled up the shopping bags, turned around and walked out the front door, got in their cars and drove away. And they called the police and the police showed up and they're like, all right, well, there's really nothing we can do, you know, because they're not going to just go chasing people down. I mean, a girl walked into Wawa, ordered a sandwich, turned around and walked out the front door, got into a car and drove away. And the guy walked out and he's like, you're just not even going to pay for it. You're just going to walk out the front door. And that was it. It was like she just got in her car and just drove away because I guess Philly police posted something that's saying that they're not going after anybody unless it's a violent crime. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) So, you know, we're going to start talking about looting, not rioting because everybody's afraid of getting anything. But, you know, they're saying that the domestic dispute rate is going to rise and that the child abuse rate is going to start to rise because a lot of these kids are living in some pretty fucked up situations. So it's just a crazy world, man. It's going to be a real challenging 30 days to get through this. And, uh, yeah, you know, the the country's hurting bad. Well, so Sean, why don't you do me a favor real quick and just tell us who you are and what you do. And then I'll kind of fill in after that of why I wanted to have you on the show so badly. Yeah. So I've been a real estate developer for about 10 years. Um, I've done, you know, small projects, you know, where we do townhome developments, you know, duplexes, triplexes to now we're doing, you know, 500 unit apartment communities. Right. So I started out really small and now, you know, the development company grew, you know, to the point where we're raising, you know, over 80 to a hundred million dollars of equity for, you know, $300 million, um, you know, development communities. So it really evolved. And uh, every day I'm in the market, we're raising debt, we're raising equity, we're talking to the capital markets, we're, you know, I'm helping people just filling them in on what's going on with with banks right now, um, how people are raising money, how they're capitalizing their businesses, uh, development. So, you know, I was talking to Brian last week and I was just, you know, giving him a, a couple of food for thoughts and just tell him a little bit what's going on with the market. And, uh, you know, I, that was really probably why Brian wanted to have me on, on the show today, because I'm seeing things, you know, differently. And I don't want to scare anybody on this call, by and I think we will get out of this. But I think the next six months are going to be very, very bumpy to get out of this. And uh, I just want to you know provide a little bit of insight and also. Um, to help people know where there is some assistance, you know, through the SBA, through the CARES Act, um, so I can help people navigate some of those, um, some of those areas to access some capital. So, and and one of the things that we had talked about, you know, Sean and I talk, we talk about everything, 
pretty much whenever we hop on a call, it's we usually end up talking about everything from restaurants to business to new projects to family. I mean, it's a, it's a typical guy call. You know, we just kind of bullshit back and forth for a while. I, I always, you know, I mean, I, I've dabbled in the stock market the last couple of years. I feel that I've made a couple of, of good investments just by following the, the ups and downs of what goes on in the world. And, you know, after watching the drop in the market with what's happened with all of this, you know, I mean, there's a, there were a couple of good options out there that, that I had purchased, that I had known about, that you had told me about. But one of the big things that that I really was taking away was what you were telling me a lot more about the CARES Act, about some of these SBA loans, you know, with super low uh, interest rates and, and express loans and stuff like that. So, so I wanted to have Sean on so that we could talk a little bit about that. You know, uh, uh, the shows these days are, are not, we're not doing the culinary shows. We're not talking to the chefs. The, this show is really more about some of the financial stuff that restaurants and some of the small businesses can dig into and tap into because the money's there. You know, it's there to help you. It was put there for a reason. So, so what are what, what's what's the number one thing that, as a restaurant right now, um, who is still open? You know, what is it that a restaurant right now that's still open can do? Or is it better for us to go into a closed restaurant or an open restaurant, John, or business? Um, e- either one. So, I'll tell you about a couple of the loan of the SBA loan options. So, um, as of Sunday night, they they put a streamline. Um, disaster loan assistance program together. It's covid19relief.sba.gov. Okay. You can go online. It takes literally less than five minutes. As long as you have your uh, EIN number, um, your account number, your bank account number, your routing number, your banking information, so you have that all to, to upload online. And what they're doing is they're giving you a quick hey, Sean, what is, what's that? loan. What is that again? What What's that website? I just want to make sure that I have it so that I can look at it. Sure. It's COVID, C-O-V-I-D, 19, relief.sba.gov. Got it. Okay. My tap my my tapping is done. But then Great. again, you should so know when how you, to spell relief. Right. So you, you go through it. It literally takes less than five minutes. And there is uh, an option there that, that, that says, you know, do you want the quick ten thousand um, dollar loan and you, you click that and theoretically you know we don't know for uh, you know 100 percent but in three to five business days they're supposed to wire you uh you know ten thousand dollars into your account and it, it's technically a loan right there's no payment for you know the first year and the, the rate is like three and a quarter percent and they have a whole program where if you can prove you know, that you're using it for rent and to retain employees, that that money will be forgiven, right? And, they, and we, we still know the process of submitting that information to make sure it's forgiven or not. I mean, they're still working out these details. That is one program um, that's out there and available. <clears throat> so I, I suggest everybody do that immediately. Even if you don't, even if your business is doing okay, right? I mean, we, we talked about this, some, some businesses, not many, are doing great with takeout right now and they're able to sustain and stay open, right? Some of them are and the community's rallying behind them, but I'll bet that's what percentage of, you know, are actually yeah. doing that, Brian. I mean, is that like a 2% that's lucky enough to be in that situation? I mean, it's a really small, a lot of restaurants have, you know, the idea was 
that a lot of these restaurants that serve booze and all that stuff started to transition over into a to-go market. But if you're a 60-40 split in a restaurant where you're doing 60% booze and 40% food, you know, I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to make that transition and continue to move forward because most people know you as a, a, a drinking establishment. If you're talking about a restaurant that does a larger split of, of on the other side of, of, of 60% food to 40% booze, the opportunity is still there, but it's it's becoming few and far between. Am I really going to want to order, you know, a seared duck breast with a with a you know with with a scallop and risotto to be delivered to me forty five minutes after it's made, or am I going to want to get a rack of ribs? You know, so there's there's some of these other places are starting to close down because they're like, hey, we tried it for the last two weeks and this is what I'm seeing. We tried it for the last two weeks and it's just not working or we feel that we're going to need to, to stop the to go situation. So if you weren't doing to go before you've made it through your peak at this point, unless you're really crushing it. Unless you've got a good amount of people in there to handle this and you've narrowed it down. And there's a couple of restaurants in Philly that are doing that right now. But it, it, it's, it, it's a hard transition to move from a fine dining or a dining house into the to-go world. So a lot of those places are closing down now. Right, right. And even the ones that are doing well and get through it, I still recommend you go and get the, the loan assistance and the forgiveness program. Because guess what? You don't know what's going to happen, you know, one sure. month, two months, three months, uh, you know, moving forward. I, I would still go back and, and renegotiate with, um, you know, if you own your building, you know, go back and call your mortgage company and, uh, you know, push it out. I, I would I would ask for eight months and negotiate with your bank. Yeah. Everybody's like, you know, tiptoeing around. OK, do we you know, we do one month, three months, you know, bullshit. Ask for eight. Go to the extreme. If you don't ask, you don't know. Right. 100% shot at no. Exactly. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that, you know, businesses are going to be really struggling for the next six months, you know? Well, and Um, I think that, you know, to your, to your wise, you know, suggestions there, I think that the idea is, you know, get the loan, you know, you, you don't, you don't, you don't always have to use it. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, and that's what we discussed the other day, but the option is there for you to have it. Cause look, when you start, look, if we're closed down for six months and then we've got to reopen, you've got to reopen and where's your funding? Your property wasn't open for the last six months, two months, three months, one month, whatever it is. Now I've got to have an influx of staff to come into the restaurant because mainly what we're talking about is restaurants. You know, I've got to have a new staff come into the restaurant. I've got to spend a week getting the restaurant ready to rock and roll ready up to par. I've got to get food in. Who's paying for that food? I've got to get staff in. How are we going to pay for that staff? We've got to get a liquor order in. How are we going to pay for that liquor order? So to have that loan out there and to be able to hold on to it is a wise thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and think about that. I mean, I, <clears throat> what are the small guys, what are the small guys going to do to capitalize that, Brian? I mean, you want to talk about some creative ways to, to try to capitalize on that? I mean, selling discounted, um, gift, gift cards, right. Uh, you know, to yeah. your neighborhood and constituents, right. How are you going to, cause what are you going to need? You need to raise a quick 30, 40 grand to get, to get that exactly. going. Exactly. 
Well, I and I think how, one of how the do you big, do that prepaid sales? I mean, it's, it, this is going to be really tough. I mean, one of the big things that people were doing was they were saying, okay, let's get all the gift cards. You know, everybody going by big, by gift cards, everybody going by gift, by gift cards. So we get an influx of cash that comes through at this point. And, and so that influx is coming in right now. But in reality, what we're doing, like, look, for me, I'm buying enough food to get me through three days. You know, when I go to the store tomorrow, because all of my vendors are now, they've all gone with COD. They've raised a lot of their prices on us at this point. So honestly, I'm not even buying from from my major vendors anymore because they raised their prices. I went from $26 a case on French fries to 44 Okay. So, so those prices have shot up. So I'm buying food for a two and three day period right now because I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't want to go and drop three grand on food and then have somebody say to me, by the way, now you're completely shut down. So I'm kind of playing it day by day. But when, when, when it comes to that, that time when, when, you know, all of these people are buying gift cards right now and they say that, you know, it's like whatever the, the, the percentage rate is 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 percent of people return those gift cards. They'll actually come back in and use those gift cards. But if everybody buys gift cards right now, yes, we will have an influx of cash at this moment. But in three months, when everybody gets out of their house and they all come in to use those gift cards, we're all fucked again because now yeah, we have point. I mean, because now we have, you know. If if seventy five percent of people show up on a Friday night with a gift card, I can't tip my staff out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's like I don't have a deposit for that next day. So there's a lot of things that happen with the gift card world that I'm not. I don't agree with that. I, I'm not a fan of the buy the gift cards right now. I'd rather you support me now while we are open. And while everybody can do the to go and then do me a favor, support me in three months again. You know, when we start to do this again, support me again during that time frame. So I don't think the gift card thing was a great, great idea. Right. And, 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 you know, as well as I do, Duff, is it's wishful thinking that, you know, yeah, we hope and pray that people will come out and support our business. But, you know, it, sometimes that happens and sometimes it just it's not enough. Right. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's another radical idea that you and I haven't talked about, but it's what we do in, well, I mean, look, any startup or any, any real estate deal, it, it's called syndication, right? So imagine a small restaurant or a small bar restaurant owner, you know, most of these guys barely have enough money to pay themselves, right? Yeah. Everybody, you know, they, they want to own, you know, this whole idea of wanting to own a hundred percent of your business right? Because it's pride of ownership, but yet they starve themselves for, for years and they don't even have enough money to pay themselves, right? Because they're undercapitalized and, and whatever. Imagine if they went out to all their local customers, friends, families, right? And sold shares in their business, right? So if you're a small business owner and you took a management fee off the top 10%, right off the top every, every month, and you kept 30% equity in your business and you sold 70%, you syndicated that out to all your, you know, all your, all your customers, 500 bucks, thousand bucks a person, whatever it is. Right. And with that, maybe they get a 10% discount whenever they come in and they own a piece of your business. And if you can do that times a few hundred people, right. And they own a piece of your business, you think they're going to come back, you know, more often than not. 
And now you actually have money oh, to pay yourself a management fee and a salary. And it's a way to capitalize your business. I mean, think about it. There, there's a lot of people hurting out there. And guess what? There's a lot of people that aren't, you know, um, some people are still working, you know, um, you know, if you're in the medical field, uh, I mean, there's so many areas that are working right now. So for them to make a $500 investment, a thousand dollar you know, investment in your business, and they get some level of return and a, and a piece of the profits, and, uh, and Duffy, I'll, I'll email you some examples so you can send out to, um, uh, to your audience. It might be a much better yeah. way to capitalize your business moving forward. And then guess what? God forbid you actually make, you know, a salary and a management fee moving forward each month. Like, wouldn't that be nice? I think this, <laughs> and you know, what's funny is, is in these times, it's when people really start to, this is look, it's in these crazy times when people start to come up with great ideas, things like that of a co-op style restaurant in a way. You know, where people do buy in as an investor into the restaurant as a community, maybe it's an opportunity for them to receive dividends on some type of situation. But you're right. I mean, look, I've had my barbecue place for how long? God knows how long. And I don't take a lot of money out of it at all. You know, I take a minimum salary a week because I'm a super small place. My numbers drop down during the winter dramatically. You know, summers are really our big time around here, but you're absolutely right to have that opportunity to have a, a syndicated, you know, restaurant kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's something you have to shift. You have to do. You have to shift. And the, the other thing, and this is your world, Duffy, I don't even want to get into this. I'm just going to throw it out there and let you talk about this. But it gives every restaurant or operation an opportunity to make drastic operational changes that they may have always wanted to, but were scared to do right where, you know, we talk about this all the time, right? Duff, um, you know, how do you cut overhead, right? Where, where people are going up to the window, picking up their food and sitting down instead of having, you know, servers or, or whatever that might be, right? How do you, how do you just change your business model? So you don't, you're not so staff heavy or you can cut some guys in the kitchen and, you know, change your menu around. I don't know, like this is your world, but it gives everybody an opportunity to change your whole business model around if you wanted to. Well, I think, I, I think one of the greatest things that, that we all, that I, look that I'm learning and that I've always tried to kind of teach people, but I'm really doing it, you know, I, I, I'm doing it firsthand at this point, the amount of work that we can get done without the abundance you know, I mean, do you really need to have three runners on during this time frame? Do I need to have two cashiers? Do I need to have, I mean, like, you know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm struggling right now. Do I need to have a cook in the restaurant when this is what I do, but I don't want to lay somebody off. So right now I'm actually finding, I'm finding, finding tasks and jobs for my cook. And I said, Hey, look, is, is, you know, are you cool with this was the first conversation that I had. You don't just throw somebody a new job description because of the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, but, but the abundance, what I'm seeing from all of these people, everybody that I'm talking to every week who's still opening is the adjustments that they're going to be making to their business as they move forward. You know, do I need to have the, the, the $195 subscription for a music service or a streaming video service at this point when what's it really, what's the return on that? You know, cause we've all cut a lot of our subscription stuff out. 
you know, restaurants have cut their subscription stuff out. I've cut my towel service back to, to every two weeks instead of every week. I cut my knife guy back every two weeks, you know, to every two weeks instead of every week. You know, what's the effect that I'm having? Well, I'm saving X amount of dollars in a weekly, during a weekly situation. So during this downturn or during this downfall of what's going on within the world, we're actually operating at a much more efficient level because the abundancy, the excess isn't needed and it's not there. You know, I mean, I cut back on a lot of stuff that I just didn't need before. You know, all I, I readjusted everything within the restaurants. I have timers now on my on my light switches in the basement. You know, I have timers on my my every every light in the restaurant that's an electronic timer that turns on and turns off at a certain time so that I'm not wasting more energy. But but why is it that we didn't do all of this before? Now we're super concerned about money. You know, and 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 I think this is going to change the way that a lot of businesses. Yeah. And, and you know, what's off, this is exactly where you come in, where, where people are, you know, shut down right now and regrouping and replanning, you know, for when we come out of this, right. Who better to, to bring on, you know, right now to start doing some planning than an expert like yourself to be like, you know, how do I retool? How do I get things going back, you know, the right way? Because if you don't reopen the right way, you're, you're screwed. You're screwed. Yeah. If you go too hard, too fit now, everybody's going to be, I mean, we're on text chains. I can't tell you. I mean, it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, people are t- texting me right now saying like, I, I, as soon as this is done, this is going to be like a bachelor party. Everybody wants to go bar hopping and, and getting the hell out. And, and, right. and it, it, everybody, every bar is going to be slammed right out of the gate. But then after that, you know, little sure. bump, you know, w- you know, you gotta really be, be ready. And, and it, that's why it's great to have, you know, guys like you, um, they're right there to help and assist everybody. Well, and a lot of the stuff that we're doing at this point, I mean, I, you know, I, I still work, I work with nightclub and bar uh, and, and what's soon to become the bar and restaurant expo. It's all changing over to that. But what, you know, one of the conversations that we're having right now is what, what should we be doing right now before we close down? And, you know, we all talk about the operational side of it. We all top, talk about that, but we never really dig into the, the financial side of it. So I guess, you know, are there any suggestions that you have if I've, if I have to, you know, if, if all of a sudden Wolf says to me and Trump says, everybody needs to just shut down. We're done with all the, the additional crap. The, there's, there's only two people that should be out there. There's group A and group B. Group A is the hospitality and the public service workers like cops and firefighters and EMTs. And then there's group B, which is everybody else. Everybody else needs to stay in their house right now. No more to go food. No more of this stuff. You can, you know, we're going to let you go to the grocery store, blah, blah, blah. H- however that would work, which in reality, it would never work because people still have to eat. People don't know how to cook. They don't know what to do in a lot of situations with that. So what is, what are some of the things that we should do on a financial level if we do have to shut the restaurant down? Yeah. A lot of things you just said, I mean, you have to renegotiate everything. You call your credit card companies, call, you know, they're all, I mean, you know, I've, talk to many people, you know, Amex is probably the easiest that you call them the, you know, they're still going to accrue the interest, but you don't have to make any payments and they're doing it month by month. You know, that that's number one, right? Call everything, push it back. Your landlord, um, your mortgage company, if you own the building, you know, call and ask for the maximum eight months. I mean, I would call everybody and push everything out. Even your utilities. I wouldn't even pay your utility bills right now. Save your cash. You can restructure that when, when it opens. 
you know, and work it out with the utility companies. Everybody's going to be on some kind of a payment plan. Uh, where are where are are we within the rent situation? You know, I, I was reading uh, a, a pretty a, a pretty in depth article last night about the situation where the housing market or the housing department and and the rent actually continues to flow through the country. You know, I mean, if I don't pay my rent today, my landlord doesn't get that money. But from there, then the mortgage company doesn't get the money. And then from there, the bank isn't getting the money. You know, so how is it that we can, you know, are there any any rules or laws that have been put into place right now that says that, hey, you can't be evicted? I mean, I know I'm hearing a lot of that, but have you heard anything about that? Some states are, are uh, put that in place. Um, I don't want to, you know, certify this, but I'm almost positive New York has done this where, you know, you can't evict people right now um, during this time. You know, it's state by state. Um, I've, sp- I've spoken to a lot of the large banks there. But a, no one's really lending right now. Right. Especially to a restaurant. You're not getting anything from a bank from a restaurant. Right. Now. <laughs> you're shocked, right. I mean, uh-uh. come on. Um, you know, real estate is uh, or lending has really come to a halt. Right. All the banks I'm talking to right now, they said they're so inundated with doing loan modifications. Right. Because if you're a restaurant and um, uh, if you're if you're a landlord and one of your tenants is a restaurant, obviously they don't have the money to pay you right now. So the landlord you know, is calling their bank and they're doing loan modifications. They're going back and say, look, I got a, I got a restaurant tenant. Um, you know, it, it's going to be six months. And what they're doing is they're, they're doing modifications. They're going to say, look, we're going to accrue the interest, but we'll suspend payments for three to six months. And if they can work that out, they should pass that along to the tenant. Right. So now here's the restaurant. You almost have to, you have to redo and renegotiate, right? There could be, okay, you make no payments for the next six months, but it gets tacked on to the end of the lease, right? A blend and extend. Right. You blend and extend it. Like it's all like, it's all going to be able to work out because banks are well capitalized right now. They are allowed to do loan modifications. The fed just came out and allowed banks to do modifications specifically for this. Um, so they won't get dinged for their, um, they, they got loan loss reserves that they have to, you know, escrow when they do, um, you know, if anything goes in the workout. So the Fed gave a lot of the banks relief on this, right? Because otherwise banks, they won't do loan modifications because they get dinged by the Fed. Now that they loosen that up, they're, they're allowed to do a lot of that. A lot of times they would have to say, no, another bank has to come in. We have to take a haircut. You know, now they don't have to do that. Banks can do lo- their own loan modifications and they're all doing it. As long as they don't get dinged by the Fed, which they opened it up, now banks are more willing to do that. If they weren't willing to do that and banks really did stop lending, it's going to be way worse than 2008. And nobody wants that. So, uh, you know, the government has stepped in, you know, to try to help and facilitate a lot of this. So my advice is absolutely. I mean, you have to renegotiate with your landlord. Your landlord's going to have to renegotiate with the bank. The bank, you know, the interest is going to accrue. Uh, Banks are borrowing at nothing right now. I mean, interest rates are zero. So their cost of funds is zero. Um, You know, so a lot of times. Um, people who own, uh, you know, bar owners, restaurant owners that own their own real estate, they, they, this is an also a great opportunity to go and refinance your debt too. So not only they're asking for, you know, Hey, look, I can't pay for three to six months, but also I want to get a lower interest rate. 
So, and I know that a lot that, of that's the people, a lot of people that I've a lot of people that I've been talking to have been calling credit card processing, have been calling because if you are still open, you know, we still have the 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 operations that we have to get through. For me, I think one of the big things is I called my my POS company and I said, what can we do about this? You know, my sales are, are less than they were before in certain cases. I'm still paying a 3% credit card processing fee or 2.89 or whatever it works out to be. What is it that we do? You know, credit card processing was actually lowered a little bit, you know, along with some of the other rates. I mean, I caught, you know, reaching out to some of these delivery services via Caviar, Grubhub, Uber Eats, all those guys. I had a really, really hard time getting through to any of them. I finally had to end up going through Twitter and I got a couple of responses, a couple of them, like I think it was Grubhub was doing 0% for restaurants for a while, you know, and, and we work really hard with that because those are huge costs for us and it, but it increases our business. So for me, like caviar charges 30% to use their service, 30%. So if you order a burger and that burger is a $3 cost, and I charge ten dollars. That's a th- that that right there is a thirty percent food cost. So I'm actually removing the the ability to pay for that burger by selling it and having it delivered to somebody else. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah. Totally. So like, yeah. I mean, it, it, they charge us a tremendous amount of money. So I've got a thirty percent food cost. I've got a thirty percent. Uh, cost of of having the food delivered. I'm at sixty. Then I've got my labor cost. I've got all my you know my 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 uh, my fixed costs of everything that goes in. We're not making money on that. The only opportunity we had was within that thirty percent originally. So I know there are a couple of companies out there that have made the decision to go with that. They ext- they did it for a two week period until the end of March. We don't know what's going to happen going through April. I know that a lot of the to go. Pl- places have actually slowed down, which we knew was going to happen. You know, I mean, Sean, you and I talked about this the other day. People can't people. There's no possible way for for the entire community to support all of these restaurants through to go food. You just can't afford to do it every day, especially in an in, in, in a world where the income, you know, in a lot of cases has been cut off. You know, I mean, businesses are shut down. People are working from home and, you know, I mean, there's people can't afford to eat out every night. I'm sorry, to have delivery every night. Plus, it's pretty unhealthy, you know. Yeah, I mean, the the other thing, you know how many people are sitting home right now that would love to be uh, do delivery for some of these businesses? You know, some people are ordering takeout or they want to do delivery. I mean, you know, charge a five-hour delivery charge. And then people are going to get really tipped. You would think people get tipped nice. Um, as well, because people we're are seeing really, ten, you know, we're seeing a total of ten percent of sales are coming in in tips in most cases. So we're bypassing that twenty. People are leaving money. I'm seeing people leaving a larger tip, but fewer of them. Gotcha. Yeah, is is kind of the big thing. And for us, with what we do right now with the hospitality, I'm seeing people going away from tipping. So my staff is actually making less money because now what they're doing is they're buying a meal for hospitality. So like, because we have that whole hospitality program where hospitality people get, to, if they've been laid off, they get to come in and eat for free. And so right. people are saying, oh, hey, by the way, I want to buy 10 meals. Here's $30. And instead they're, and then they're not leaving a tip, you know what I'm saying? So we're losing, we're, we're losing one, but we're gaining another. 
So, I mean, that that's kind of some of the big stuff that I'm seeing. But we're still seeing a lot of people that are wa- leaving their house, coming and picking up their food. That's still a big thing for us. I mean, we, we do a, we do a probably at this point 40% delivery, whereas we're getting uh, we're getting that additional we're getting 60% that are coming through with uh, with pickup still. So 60% of our orders are still coming into the restaurant or pulling up to the curb because we offer curbside service as well. I mean, there's a lot of adaptations that we've all got to make. And, and and honestly, my first my first financial thought was, oh, shit, what am I going to do if I shut down? How am I going to pay rent? How am I going to pay my credit cards that I because I put you know, my food goes onto a credit card and then I pay that at the end of the week. It's just a weird OCD world that I live in. I pay my credit cards off every week. But but uh, my first thought was rent and staff, rent and staff, you know, so. You know, it's good to know. I mean, the opportunities are there to, to negotiate. But I wasn't sure if there was a rule. I know New York did kind of pass. I know they passed something where there were no evictions. And I know that like a lot of the utility companies have said, we're not doing shutoffs. We're not doing, you know, we're not getting involved in any of that stuff. And you can call. I mean, my car company came through to me. My car lease company came through and said, hey, we're willing to defer. You know, if you want to do a deferment, go ahead. Now, I didn't do it for, for the first month, but I think I'm probably going to end up doing it for the second month. This is, a, you know, all they're doing is tacking it on to the end of the lease. Yeah. And, and look, you, you have to realize, you know, who's in power here, right? The landlord or the tenant, right? You yeah. got to have the balls to go to your landlord and say, okay, I'm out. You know, go lease it to the, oh, someone else is going to take over your space and open up a new restaurant in, the, in this economy and climate. Nobody's taking right. new space right now or for six months of anything they're reducing. I mean, th- there's articles out there about the, um, the impact of the office market, office real estate market. Right. So everybody yeah, was forced to huge. go out and buy and buy computers and work from home and, uh, you know, remote work for, you know, the, the whole, this whole idea of, of it, it, there's articles out there and I don't know if it's true that like this could change the game forever. Right. Because I've, more people do want to have that hybrid of working from home and or an office. And now they're all equipped or most of the bigger companies are equipped now to do this. If they weren't, they sure as hell are now because they were just forced to do it. It's been a big topic of conversation. And then what they're talking about with that is, you know, instead of having that 5000 square foot office space, now I'm only going to need fifteen hundred or two thousand. You know, so now we're right. going to be looking at a lot of these office spaces that are getting out of their leases, they're going to find smaller spaces because the 50 person workforce that I had, well, I'm only going to have 50% of them in on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then and Thursday, Friday, I'm going to have the other, you know, like we're ultimately going to get back into the office setting. But I think that what they've seen at this point is, is, is the minimalization. Do I need to have this massive office space that I'm paying 10, 15, 20, 30,000 dollars a month for, or can I cut my cost and have a higher profit or even pay my staff a little bit more by going with a smaller office space and allowing them to work from home for two days a week? You know I mean? There's exactly. a lot of stuff so, that I'm hearing with that right now. And that's going to affect so, everybody. It's going to affect parking garages. It's going to affect restaurants that are in the major cities. You know, a lot of this stuff is all going to be, and, and people don't think about that. They don't realize everything else. The guy, the food cart guy isn't going to have the traffic that he had before. 
you know, the nail salon place that's at the bottom of your office building that you run down there and get your nails done, there's not going to be as many people walking in and out of that nail place now. Like the ramifications of that alone are something that everybody's going to have to adapt to. Exactly. Just like we were talking before about, you know, the, these restaurants and bars, like you have an opportunity to change your operations, you know, to, you know, be more lean and mean, you know, same thing for these big, you know, these bigger companies. You're exactly right. I mean, if they can scale down and, and save money in that aspect, and guess what? Everybody's going to be okay with it because everybody's so thankful right now just to have their yeah. job and, and some job security. So if they say, look, to survive this, you know, in the past where we just had a boom, like the biggest booming economy that this country's ever seen, you know, where, you know, oh my God, okay. Uh, you know, Joe Blow gets to work from home, but I don't, you know, now yeah. that's all out the window, right? You know, it, it's, yeah. it's none of that. It's like, well, certain percentage are going to be able to work from home because they can and their job descriptions and a certain percentage has to be in there. You know, your office processors, people, you know, customer service, you know, things like that. I mean, if it has to be monitored, uh, you know, it all depends, but that you're right. That can change and people can be way more lean than me now if they want to go that route. Which I think, uh, honestly, I think is a great, it, it's a great thing. You know I mean? We've seen such a world of abundance over the last 10 years, 15 years, you know I mean? And, and, and it's, it's to excess in so many, on so many different levels. You know, I mean, it's just a constant. I mean, you think about something, it gets delivered to your house. You know, how many people have put stuff in their Amazon cart over the last two weeks and let it sit there? Because in reality, they didn't know if another paycheck was coming through. You know, I mean, we're really starting to look as a country, I think, at least, look, I am. I know that, that the people in my circle are. You know, I was on a Zoom call last night with seven or eight, seven or eight different people, and we're all discussing these things. And we're all in the same industry. We're all chefs. And five six, seven, six of the people that were on that call were all laid off. You know, it was me and one other dude who still have our to-go restaurants, you know, but they've all been fully laid off. They have, you know, one of my guys is, you know, he's a corporate executive chef for a, for a major, for a major group. And I think he's bringing home, you know, a quarter of what he was making before because he's on unemployment now, you know, cheesecake factory. Also, I don't know if you, did you hear about this, Sean, with Cheesecake Factory, how they sent their letters out to every one of their landlords and said, we are not paying rent in, in April? I mean, that's 300 yeah, units, I think. You know, I mean, they're like, we're not going to be paying rent in April. We just can't do it. It was a very nice letter. If anybody wants to read it, feel free, just Google it. Google Cheesecake, you know, cheesecake Factory no rent letter, whatever it works out to be. And you can see that letter that they put through. It was a very well thought out, well written letter. That, that let them know exactly what was going on and what the plan was. I mean, they had to shut their doors, you know, in Cheesecake Factory. I mean, you're talking about properties that are doing $25,000, $40,000 in a day, whereas that's some other buddy, somebody else's week. They're doing that in a day, you know, and they're paying thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a month in rent, and they just cut it all off. You know, it was a nice way of saying tough shit. Yeah. We're closed and I'm not paying rent. And yeah. everyone else has to do the same. Like business is so hard to all the things that we just talked about, you know, the office market changing, you know, having to change business models and businesses having to, to constantly change and adapt. How the hell can small business continue to change and adapt? Right. Because most small businesses, the number one reason why they fail is they're undercapitalized. Right. Right. They don't have enough money going in. 
And it's really hard for small business, right? If you're not very well capitalized, you don't have a big money partner or, you know, you don't have enough reserves, which most of these small businesses, especially restaurants, restaurants are living month to month, you know, week to week, uh, just to stay places, open. Man. Super tight. Week to week. I mean, so it's, you know, back to my, my, my previous comment, thinking differently about capitalizing your business. Do you take on more? Like, I don't know. Like you, you really got to think if you, if you ever wanted to get into business, you know, you've really got to be cap overcapitalized, you know, to, to oh, protect against a downturn or, or else you're just going to be incredibly stressed out. When people talk to me about restaurants and what they want to do and we start and they want to open a restaurant and, I, and my first conversations begin in the finance world. You know, where's your money coming from? Who are you getting it from? How much of it do you have? What is your budget at this point? What's it going to cost you? I mean, Sean, we did it when we opened up uh, the place in Philly. What is it going to cost us yeah. and how much do we have to run the property for nine months, a year if we didn't have any revenue? You know, where are we right now? What are we going to do? How are we going to handle that? And that's the conversation that I have with a lot of people. Are you able to cover your staff, you know, for a year of their salary? You know, because those are the people that are working the restaurant that are bringing the money in. And during that first couple of months, you have that influx because you're the new guy. And then you're going to select, you're going to taper off. You're going to go through the ups and downs. I mean, we look in Philadelphia alone. We know what happens around here during the winter. People are afraid to go out. We know what happens around here during the summer. People take off and they go to the beach or they go on vacation. So reality, we've got six to nine months of a quality upswing in business. Whereas we have these variations through winter and summer. You know, I mean, this winter was super weird. We had zero snow. We had a pretty mild winter. We had like, what, a week of super cold. So we didn't feel that normal downswing of winter. But we're coming through this. You know, are, what, what are we looking at for the summer? Are people going to be renting houses at the beach again? Or are they going to stay home this summer because they didn't have income for three weeks or four weeks or five weeks or six or nine or 12? You know, we got a lot well, of shit to think you about. You can bet your ass they're pulling back. Yeah, they're totally pulling back, I mean, you know, you know, I'm, I'm an outer banks guy. I go to the outer banks. I'm not doing a house this year. My salary was cut, you know, with the amount of stuff that I do, my stuff was cut back. I've really got to watch my finances. So we're not going to the outer banks this year. Uh, how many people aren't going to be going to the beach? I think we're going to see a huge kind of revival of Philadelphia during this summertime when all this starts to, un when it, when it starts to pull back. And I hope we're just in it for another 30 days. I mean, this is, and, and you fuck. know, what, and you know what, Doc, is, I'll tell you, and we should shift because I know we don't have much time left, but we should shift to this conversation, which I think is a good one. Cause you posted a great video on uh, uh, Facebook and social media the other day of you actually sanitizing and cleaning your yeah. whole restaurant. And yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm chomping at the bit to open up and, you know, go meet my buddies at a bar. But, you know, the first sure. thing that I would feel more comfortable about of going to a bar or restaurant is knowing that the whole damn place is sanitized and uh, and cleaned. And uh, I got to tell you, Do when it. I watched that, I was like, wow, this is a great video. Oh, dude, it's 20 minutes at the end of every day that we go through. I don't I mean, you know, I used to have silverware, Sean. I'm a barbecue place. I used to have silverware that we would have to wash at the end of the day. Now I go with single use silverware. You know, so I've cut a lot of the costs with what I'm doing to maximize one to maximize profit. I don't need to keep running my dishwasher so I don't have a higher water bill or an electric bill. So now I'm going with single use silverware, which benefits the customer, the guest as well, because I've got my stuff. You know, I, I'm 
I'm, I'm actually, as I sit here right now, I've got everything in a bin. I'm removing it from a bin and I'm going to lay all of my single use silverware on a table. Like we go through the entire restaurant. We, we sanitize every single surface and door handles, windows, door frames, bathrooms, toilets, sinks, uh, uh, soap dispensers. Like we're constantly in, in the almost 11 months that I've owned this restaurant. This is the first four weeks that I've ever not had my restaurant smell like smoke, meaning the smokers that I have in the restaurant because our restaurant smells like Lysol. Because we sanitize yeah, wow. so much, you know, I mean, and there's, I mean, dude, and now, honestly, I went on at Amazon last night, Uline and Webstaurant to go and buy Lysol. I can't buy Lysol anywhere. I can't, you know what our next big problem is, Sean? I can't buy rubber gloves. Oh, wow. I have to buy them from a source that I have a before or else I cannot buy those gloves. And the other deal, they were $80 for a thousand three weeks ago. They were $140 the other day when I went to look at them. You know, so there's a lot of shit that's going on. But but yes, we do. We clean a tremendous amount, you know, because we're still we're still in the public. We're not shut down. We're in the public. I have people walking in the front door. We leave our front doors open and we leave our back doors open right now so that we have eliminated as much of the touch as possible. You know, when somebody signs their name on our credit card on our POS, I sanitize that screen before I turn it to them, and then I sanitize it after when they're done. Like we're nuts it's about crazy. it. I don't want to be. It's I don't want to be an an outbreak peer, You know, location. And, and you know what? The psychology of all your customers or, or anybody at this point, right? When I go into the bathroom, I don't want to touch that door handle. I want a door kick. I don't want to touch yeah. the. Uh, you know, I want an automatic. Uh, you know, water. I don't want to touch the handle of anything. You know what I mean? So like, it, it, I hate to say it, but like, and this is going to go on for years, by the way, because I'm washing my hands at home. Years. I don't think the virus yeah. is here, but like, it's in my head that I keep washing my hands more than sure. I ever have in my own house. And we're, you know, quarantined. It's like, we're, I'm like screwed up over it. And uh, so our business is going to have to adapt and change and get, and make some of those changes as well. I mean, what, what do you think? Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I think there's going to start to be a requirement by look, Montgomery County has one of of all of the locations that I've opened restaurants. Montgomery County is probably one of the hardest. And I don't want to say hard. I want to say diligent health departments that I've ever worked with. Very, very nice group of people. But, you know, and they're calling me before they're coming in. Hey, Brian, just want to let you know we're going to schedule our quarterly again. And these guys are out there. They're meeting me at the front door at 10 o'clock in the morning. They're walking into the restaurant. You know, they're walking through. They're very, very helpful. Any of the new adjustments that have been made with laws, they're very, very educated. They're, they're, they're educated on the new laws because things change so fast. And they're willing to really share that information in a much more friendly way rather than, you know, the old crotchety guy who's coming in to look for an envelope. But at the same time, I think that they're going to be making a lot of adjustments now to say, okay, you guys need if you're a if you're a to go operation and you have the ability for, you know, POS screens and all that stuff, we need sanitizing stations, you know, and I think it's a good idea. You know, I never I, what's the number? What's the one thing that you you never really thought about in the past, Sean, the gas tank, the gas pump. How oh, many people yeah. use that gas pump on a daily basis? I have gloves. I have gloves in my car. I go out. I put a glove on. 
Yeah, I know. Nobody does. But I have, you know, have Owen will have to drive to we have to drive to Jersey to get our gas. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm spending I'm spending the toll money. I'm spending the gas money to get there just so I don't have to touch that damn thing. But look, I just took a trip. You know, I mean, I just took a trip down to Florida to pick my daughter up. I drove down. I left at eight o'clock Monday morning. I got down there at 10 o'clock Monday night. You know, and I hit how many four gas stations? I have a Jeep, 15 miles to the gallon, boys and girls. Uh, but I hit gas stations the whole way down. At one point, I think I paid a dollar seventy nine a gallon. But the whole point, part of what I'm getting to is that my whole drive down there, I was taking the glove out, putting it on my hand, you know, doing what I had to do with the gas. At the same time, I'm getting the the wind, the windshield washer, you know, the scraper. I'm doing that, the squeegee for my window, the whole nine yards, you know, and, and I'm touching the same screen that everybody else has. They've said that it lives for what? Hey, Jerry, do you know how long does it live on plastic? Uh, I think I saw like three or four See? days. So like, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about the, the surfaces of all of this. It lives there. You know, I mean, I've got a concrete counter. I've got wooden tables. I've got wooden doors. It lives on all of that forever. So we've got to constantly be wiping, washing, and uh, you know, and doing that stuff. And it's going to make major changes in the businesses. Yeah, I mean, it's sad. I, I've got a father. He's seventy-two. He's got COPD, and he had a heart attack. You know, eight nine years ago. And even as they let people out, you know, I was telling my dad the other day, I'm like, Dad, you got to quarantine for another three four months. Until they find yeah. a cure, because it will absolutely kill them. This, and we were talking. He's like, Sean, I'll never. If I get this thing, he's like, I'm not going to survive it. And I was like, Dad, I agree. Like, he, he has to stay home. And as I'm out yeah. about working, like, I can't even go and see my father. I got to figure out, you know, how can I see him? You know, hang out on his back deck and you know, stay six feet away from him and just spend time with him. Like, I don't even know what yeah. to do. I mean, it, it's really sad. There's a lot of people out there and the elderly. Um, like, the, like, I'm not letting my dad out of the house in three, four months. I'm like, dad, you got to stay in. I don't know what we're going to do, but, you know, so he doesn't go well, crazy. But I'm like, it's either that or you die. <laughs> I mean, my mother's I mean, 74 and my biggest fear is that her socialization and her activity has been cut. Yeah. My mother thrives on her friends and her friendships of all of the women that she worked with for years. She calls them the surgettes because they all worked in the surgery center together, you know, and they would meet for lunch every couple of weeks. They would meet, you know, so the socialization part of it is also something that look, when you're getting 74, 84, not whatever it is, that is something that brain stimulation is what keeps you going as well. So now we're cutting that brain stimulation down. Plus, we have the health risk on top of it of being older of, you know, and, and my mother sent me a picture of her in, in line at fucking Trader Joe's the other day. I'm like, Mom, I'll go to Trader Joe's for you. Stay home. I've got this covered. And her, she's like, I've got to get out of the house. And she's a and she's a nurse. She's fully in belief of the stay at home. Like, but she had to go to the grocery store. She had to get some stuff. And that's really where it comes in of other worlds. Like, you know, now I call my mother, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you need anything? Because I didn't think about that. I'm doing the same thing with my neighbors that live around me, my older neighbors. I'm going to go to the grocery store today. Do you guys need anything? And they always say no, but I'm still offering that up to them. You know, this week we're doing videos on how to break down a chicken so we can make chicken soup. I'm like, and then freeze it and give some to your neighbors. Like, we're talking about a lot of this community stuff that we're doing. But... I mean, I feel I feel for the older 
um, generation that we have right now with a lot of the baby boomers and stuff like that, because I mean, they are, they're in that 74, 75 year old range. And like your father, COPD, he can't do anything. This is, this affects him directly. I talked to a friend of mine who has cystic fibrosis this morning and that's what she was saying. She's like, this is my nightmare. Is this, is this uh, flu? It's fully her nightmare. And she's 42 years old. This is a woman who has CEF. She was on the show. Jerry, she was on. Jen McKinnon, her and I just talked this morning. She's like, I'm okay, but it's like her nightmare, you know, that respiratory disease. So, uh, very sad. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Sean, so you're going to send me those links. I'm going to pop those links up on the Duffified Live website, plus onto uh, our Facebook page and all that stuff. So, people have the resource to do that. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, go out and get those loans, man. You know, what, what was the one that you were telling me? I'm sorry, Sean. I know we're, we're running a little late. What was the one that you were telling me about that uh, was had that super low? It was an express loan. Is that the $10,000 one that was like three and a quarter percent? But if you kept staff, it ultimately ended up being a grant. Yeah, they, they could forgive it. That's what they were talking about. And there's still um, there, there's still some unknowns about how you have to go and show that, you know, if you use the money for rent and to pay staff, um, you know, that they forgive it. But, you know, for right now, I suggest everybody go out and apply for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that is one program. And then they're coming out with the CARES Act, which you have to go and apply at your uh, local bank. And they're still getting trained and that'll probably get rolled out this week. And that's a little bit more of a process to get approved for that. And that one, basically they take your last call it year, right. And they look at, um, you know, your rent and your payroll, and they'll give you a loan of uh, two and a half times or whatever that number is, you know, wow. and it's based over a certain period of time. It could be for six months or so, and they give it to you as a loan or it actually gets converted into a grant as well for small businesses. So that one is the real game changer. Um, you know, and that's one that you should really work with your accountant on to make sure everything is buttoned up and tight. Cause you want to get, not everybody's going to get approved for it, but you want to get approved for that one because that one can be the real game changer to get, you know, put some capital in a lot of these businesses, uh, um, balance sheets. So, um, you know, more information will come out about that this week. And when it does, I'll send you the links, uh, Brian, so you can, uh, you can put it on all your sites. Cool. Cool. All right, brother. Well, as always, another, uh, perfect conversation with you. I appreciate that very much. Thanks so much for hopping on today. And, uh, you know, we're going to, we'll, we'll keep up. If you hear of anything else, let me know. And I'll make sure to get all that information out. Cause again, it was a super, I mean, the conversation that you and I had the other day, this is stuff that I didn't know about. And in reality, I haven't thought about it because I'm a super small little business. We always hear about big corporation and all the other stuff. And people talk about small business all the time, but I just never really thought about getting involved in any of that stuff. You know, I fund this business on my own. I pay the bills for it. I write the checks. Sometimes I write the checks out of my own personal to pay the bills, which I know, Sean, you'd slap me in the face. But but sometimes you got to do it. You know, it's a capital call to one person. Um, right. But, uh, but you know, that conversation that we had the other day was super informative. So I appreciate that very much, dude. Seriously. And thanks for hopping on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'm here anytime. And you know that. 
All right, brother. Well, cheers, man. And, uh, you know, I know people are going to be asking me for your information as we move forward down the road. We'll do that on a base, a, uh, a case by case basis, I think. But, um, but Sean McGovern, thanks for hopping on brother. Take care. Give Cammy and the boys and the girl, uh, my best. And I will talk to you, uh, this week, man. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Take care. Cheers, brother. Bye-bye. Uh, Sean McGovern, everybody, uh, Sean and I, like I said, have been friends for a while and, uh, I mean, God, five, six, seven years, I guess now we're kind of walking into, and, you know, we were involved in a dinner club where, you know, it was all of us and our significant others. There would be about 10 of us that would end up going out to dinner together and we all became great friends. And then Sean and I got into business together with, uh, another individual and, uh, you know, and now here we are. This is where we are now. So, and Sean's always been a very, uh, a great source of information on a lot of different levels, on a lot of different things. And um, I'm glad that that uh, we got to get him on today. So, I hope that was beneficial to some of you guys. Um, you know, you got to dig in. I mean, I'm so inundated, and I have been so inundated with 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 operating the restaurant. And these audibles that are being called, you know, I mean, from no more than 10 people, no more than two people. No. Now, everybody stay. I think we're, we're walking into, uh, you know, uncharted territory at this point. And I haven't had an opportunity to really look down into the finance portion of what I can do. I know what I need to do. I got to pay my bills. I got to pay my staff. I've got to have food. I've got to have all this stuff ready to go. But what what what? opportunities do I have to make it through the next couple of months if they're there? And look, this is why we have government. This is why we have all this stuff. You're not stealing from somebody. It's not a, uh, it's not a sign of weakness. We're all at a point of weakness right now. We are all at a part of weakness right now, you know, and we need help. We need some help. You know, I feel bad for some of my my friends that have these great operations that went from 20 and 25 and 30 and 40 and $50,000 a week down to doing two grand a day in a couple of sandwiches, you know? So obviously I'm tired as well. I was up pretty late last night doing a lot of thinking about what's going on and about this call today. I really wanted to, to try to get you guys as much information as possible. So uh, I'll have those links posted up onto Facebook as well as on our Duffified Live website. So everybody can go and check that out. Uh, that's our show for this week, boys and girls. Another crazy one as I look out on the streets of my neighborhood and I don't see anybody out there. On top of it, God thought it would be really funny to just download a bunch of rain up here in Philadelphia so that my two days off that I have chosen to work very hard at getting – uh, have been saturated. Um, so adapt, overcome and conquer. That's where we are right now. We've got to adapt. We've got to overcome and we've got to conquer. And at the same time, everybody, it's time to get rid of the me and start to pay attention to the we of what's going on in the world. So everybody do me a favor. I want to thank the boys at radioinfluence.com for, uh, recording us today because their studios were shut down as well. Um, I want to thank Maggie Gagliardi uh, for her artistic world. And, of course, Michelle out there at Techno Solution. Boys and girls, thanks so much for hanging out with me. And do me a favor and wash your goddamn hands. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. 
Look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is A Place for My Head Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This week on the A Place for My Head podcast, Brandon Thompson and I talk to the amazingly talented singer-songwriter Leah Summer, who talks about overcoming a very, very abusive childhood, an eating disorder, a suicide attempt. This girl has been through the ringer, and yet she persevered. She's overcome, and she's doing great. You don't want to miss her story. It's phenomenal. Check it out this week on the A Place for My Head podcast, and don't forget to rate and review anywhere you can. A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and Jerry P. Tuck can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.